0: Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Teluca. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Hello, this is Whitney Lowe, and welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. This podcast episode is sponsored by Handspring Publishing. Handspring has become one of the preeminent publishers focused on manual therapy topics and their catalog reads like a who's who of great pioneers in our field. They also offer a series of webinars called Moved to Learn And these are free webinars with 45-minute segments featuring their authors, including a recent one from Till that's on that series as well. So head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check those out. And be sure to use the code TTP at checkout for a discount. We thank you again very much, Handspring, for sponsoring the podcast with us. So uh, Whitney Lowe here today. Uh, Till is off this week, and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Drew Friedman, who's going to... Uh, Join me for some interesting discussions today on a variety of topics associated with dealing some challenges and adversities that we're all sort of facing throughout um, our field right now. So I want to take just a moment to uh, introduce Drew and let him tell you a little bit about his background experience, who he is. So uh, Drew, tell us a little bit about um, your uh, background and uh, entrance into the field here.
1: Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to say thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, Obviously, uh, I've known you for a long time, and I've known Till for quite a while. So I'm, I miss Till not being here. So maybe we can catch up another time. But it's really, I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk to everybody here today. Yeah, great. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I've been in the bodywork field now since God. I, I mean, technically speaking, I started this in high school, um, and I'm and I'm only thirty. So uh, excuse okay. me, uh, <laughs> error. <laughs> All right, so I I started this back in 1980-something, personal trainer. And then uh, I I knew I wanted to go to school for sports medicine and athletic training just due to all my, um, I was into sports and played lacrosse in college and all that. And so I knew what I wanted to do way back when. Went to University of South Florida um, to take their athletic training sports medicine program there uh, where I fell in love with it. I loved being an athletic trainer, it was fantastic. the only thing that I saw after a couple of years was that, you know, you're a low man on the totem pole and I didn't have the the free will to do some of the things I wanted to do with my treatment approaches. And you know understandably, they have protocols and you have to follow those when you work within sort of that sort of framework. So at the time, this was back in 1994, 93, um, I decided to start looking into doing some more sports massage. And at the time, my best friend at the time was a neuromuscular therapist who worked with um, uh, St. John down there in Tampa. That's where I was living is in Tampa, Florida. And I decided, you know what, you know, unfortunately, he he suffered a a, a bad accident and and passed away. Um, So it was the kind of uh, impetus I needed to say, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Sort of question. I was 25 years old. So I decided if I wanted to go further, whether it's into physical therapy or chiropractic or um, massage or whatever it might be, what's the best path? And massage out of all those is obviously the fastest track um, because schooling was never my my specialty. I was never a a good student. So I figured, you know, let me just get into massage and see if I like that. And then maybe I hop into Cairo or PTs and and go from there. But um, so I ended up going to this uh, Suncoast School of Massage in Tampa, Florida. Um, where I was underwhelmed uh, with the program, we'll say at the time. I think it was when Suncoast was on its last legs at the time. Um, but I was very fortunate to have a sports massage instructor by the name of um, James Waslowski. Um I don't know if you've ever heard of James. But he's a Really nice. Guy.
0: I think yeah, he's he, a few people know him in our field. Yeah, I think yeah.
1: It, it rings a bell, doesn't it? Anyway, he, he right. travels yeah. like a couple of weeks a year just to teach. Um, yeah. No, James is James is one of the harder working guys in, in massage and has been for. 25, 30 years. And I was very, very fortunate to have his sort of energy in my life so early on that inspired me to kind of stick it out with massage school and stay with it. Um, And from there, I recognized like, okay, listen, if this guy can do what he's he's doing right now, that's what I want to do. That's the path I want to take. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, I was able to talked to James quite a bit and he gave me so many different names to start learning from beyond himself such as yourself I was mm-hmm. started reading your newsletters which I still have all of your newsletters like in a file box from yeah. back in the 90s I'm not uh, even sure I have them all yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but stuff you know so I was able to reach out and read some of your work I was reading Eric Dalton's work but for me I was living in Tampa at the time in the mid 90s and I had no idea what a mecca Tampa or that Part of florida was for massage therapy educators so i got to study with george casules at the core institute i work with aaron Matties. Um i work with mike mcgillicuddy i work with judith delaney um, i was just every other weekend i was taking a course
0: yeah and i, I want to ask you about that because i've talked to a couple other people about this sort of phenomenon and i had this, a similar type of experience in that I didn't realize what a valuable educational mecca I was in when I was doing my initial training in Atlanta. Uh, And the same thing I think happened there for you. But uh, when you get outside of that, like once you left and got outside of that, was it then, was that the time at which you realized how valuable that that had been for you? Or how long did it take?
1: Absolutely. It was only then. So like, so like I said, this was back in the mid nineties and then, I took my massage and I worked down there. I worked with the, the pro teams and professional te- and college teams down there for a couple of years, but I'm from Boston originally. So I decided in 99, I want to move back up to Boston to be close to my my family. But my, my brother, oldest brother was having kids at the time. So their families were starting to grow. So I just said, you know, have hands, we'll travel. I can just hop in the car and, and go. Uh, I was fortunate to get a um, a job right away with the Celtics when I first moved up here. And so I was ready to rock and roll. But of course, like anything else in life that fell through before I even started. Um, mm-hmm. But I was here. And then I was like, Alright, so you know, what, what's what's in the what's in the bucket around here that I can start learning from? And there's yeah. nothing Ben Benjamin is up this way. But other than Ben Benjamin, there was nobody else really up in the area, at least that I was aware of. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I, I, we, we didn't have the internet back then. So it's not like I could Google the next CE course, read right. Right. Yeah. some the, the publications to kind of look for this stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was it was only then that I realized I had been so blessed for the last 5 or 6 years down in Florida to be able to just feed off of all this information coming through and yeah. Uh, yeah, it, uh, and that's that's what kind of, you know, I think I met you I think I met you first, maybe it was like 2000, 2001 at a course in Connecticut it was the first mm-hmm. live course that I did with you and I remember being scared out of my mind to go to that class. Because I was going to go see Whitney Lowe. And, <laughs> but it just, and no, it, it's, it got, it's true. It's just like to me, it was like if somebody was going to go meet Derek Jeter. Like mm-hmm. I was, that was the way I, I felt about you. I still feel that way about you, but um, I'm just not as intimidated now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, could, it was bad. But back then. You know the real just,
0: story now, right?
1: <laughs> well, I, I, it's got better, to be honest. Yeah. It was just one of those situations where I realized you know what? It's really not about how, who's the smartest person in the room it was really about an exchanging of ideas and having discussions and conversations and um, i know obviously i learned a lot of my assessment and evaluation skills from you but over the years as your apprentice in the classroom and helping you uh, as a teaching assistant i learned how to communicate better with students and how and how important that aspect is it's just you know just because you know a lot about massage or know about a lot about something doesn't mean you can obviously teach it yeah um and I learned that pretty quickly because I was like, I can do this. And frankly, I couldn't until yeah. I started understanding what you were doing. And then so I've been very fortunate throughout my career to um, be able to kind of piggyback off of some pretty, pretty high rollers out there. Um, yeah.
0: Now, when did the Boston Bodyworker start your clinic um, that you put together? Was that was that already in progress at that time in early 2000s? Or no, when did you so, start with that?
1: So, so the, the vision was when I left Florida to, to come back up to Boston and bring what I did in Florida up into Boston. So I, I wanted to call the business the Boston Bodyworker. So I established the name before I moved back. And the tagline was bringing clinical massage to the masses. Capital mm-hmm. M, capital A, masses. Uh-huh, so that very was my little, I little, ah Very yeah.
0: clever. So I have to anyway, admit. That, though, you know. I never caught that in the, in the tagline and I lived in Boston for a year, so I should know that, but, um, I missed it. So yeah, clever. Most
1: most people didn't, but that, and that's okay. It was just my little thing. Um, but it, it was, that's my, my vision at the time was I just want to be able to do what I'm doing here for the people up there. Yeah. So that's what I was technically doing. And so from there I started in 99. I started actually, that's a funny story actually. Um, I, I came back up here, like I said, I was going to go work, work with the Celtics. And as that, as I got up here and went to the first meeting with them, it just fell through. It didn't work out. They were at a new facility, and they had, they had their in-house stuff. And anyway, it just fell through the cracks. So I, I wanted to look for another job, and I could not find a job doing massage anywhere. There were ads in the papers for massage therapists, and I would call them, and they would say, we're not accepting any more applications. And after a while, I realized I was being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. because they really wanted female therapists. They didn't want massage therapists. They just want female massage therapists. Right. Uh-huh. So my parents would tell me that, you know, just, you know, you're not looking hard enough. So I would have, I had my, I had my mother, my, my mother, my sister-in-law call two of the ads while we were, just before we went, sat down for the heat dinner. I said, why don't you call, tell me you're a massage therapist and you're looking for work. And I said, I guarantee you, they'll call you in for an interview. And sure enough, both times she called, she got an interview both times. And I said, oh, uh-huh. that's what I'm dealing with. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but I don't know where my mindset came from at the time. But I, I distinctly remember not being upset about it. Yeah. It was unfortunate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's, it, it's like, you know, listen, I kicked the one field where men are the ones discriminated against. Yeah. And so no, I'm not going to get into
0: it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we hear a lot about this in our field. Um, and I'll, I see as I look at social media posts and things like that, a lot of people let that get to them. Um, and mm-hmm. especially, you know, men who have had it very easy because they've never been in a situation like this where they were not the most, uh, you know, first choice for those kinds of things. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is interesting. So that, that was one of those early situations where. You basically didn't let that stop you and you said, like, this is some issue and I'm just gonna have to figure out the work around there, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. I knew the work that I wanted to do and I yeah. knew that whether it was male or female or otherwise, that I they just that person was just looking for a good pair of hands. Yeah. And I just had to do whatever I could to get my hands on them to build that level of trust.
0: Yeah. And exactly.
1: from there, if they didn't like me from there, that might be a whole other issue that I had to deal with. Yeah, but at least once I had the opportunity to prove myself, that's all I needed. Yeah, and, and I think that's you know that goes a long way in life in general. But life is difficult sometimes, you know. Yeah, and so much of that,
0: yeah, I think, is about mindset. I mean, um, we had a wonderful conversation with Benny Vaughn a few months back, um, talking about his career, and you know, he has said this when people make that kind of complaint frequently. He said, "Look, you know." I was a black man doing massage in the South in the seventies. And if I can have a successful practice, you can that's, have a successful practice. And I think that's really, that's I, really true for us. So and I won't keep,
1: deny that. I mean, I've had video, <laughs> I've had Benny's videotapes, you know, where he's in his, at US, university of Florida with his bow tie on and he's doing his sports massage. And, and I've heard interviews and discussed him with you. And I think at the time it was probably along those lines that I thought, listen, somebody like Benny who was put in the most, Adverse conditions that you could possibly be thrown into, and yet has not only success, but the attitude he has, and just his personality, his character, everything about him. You're just like, well, this guy has fought harder battles than I'll ever fight. Yeah. So I can do it. I can easily yeah. do it. So yeah. So I started in '99 in when I came up here and knew I wanted to do Boston Bodyworker. Um, but I, but when I didn't get the job at the Celtics, I had to go back to what I knew, which was bartending. Mm-hmm. And so there was an opportunity to be a bartender on the, um, I forget the name of the ship now, even though it's right outside my door. Uh, oh, spirit of Boston. It's a mm-hmm. party ship basically. Mm-hmm. that I was going to bartend and I, and my brother was like, don't go back to bartending. You'll never get out of it. You're going to get stuck in there for life. And I said, I, I got to do, I got to pay rent, you know? And I was walking out the door to go to my first shift. We had my monkey suit on and everything. And uh, I got a call from this, woman who says she owns a spinning studio in downtown crossing in which is uh downtown boston and she was looking to rent a room in the back of her spin studio and would i be interested and i said i'll be there tomorrow and i called the spirit of boston and said i'm not coming in mm-hmm. and that's when the boston bodyworker started
0: uh-huh yeah. yeah
1: and it was so yeah it's just sometimes things happen like that
0: yeah so in terms of your do you think I, I've pondered about this a great deal because um in trying to teach massage therapists um entrepreneurial skills or or a business mindset, I mean that's something that I have watched you do over the years with with tremendous success and, and gumption, just you know, come up against things and find a way around those challenges. And it seems like a lot of people have difficulty getting past that sense of oh this is an obstacle or this is something that that's in my way like i'm not going to be able to, to do this kind of thing like how do you think that's just an inherent uh, aspect of your personality or is that trainable
1: um i think there's probably a, a smidge of both mm-hmm. and some other in there but i think you know first and foremost i'm a, I'm a jew so it's running through my veins that we survive Right? Mm-hmm. it's in yeah. our dna that we are survivors so i i don't I think that has a lot to do with it, Yeah. but on the flip side of that, I'm, a, I'm as stubborn as the day is long, mm-hmm. and you got to figure out where your motivation comes from, and mine, you know, to be frank, came from my parents. Yeah. They pulled me aside when I first moved up here, didn't get the job at the Celtics, and after uh, my sister-in-law was able to get, get interviews and I wasn't, they said, well, massage is a nice hobby. What are you going to do for a living? Yeah. You know, and that offended me to no end mm-hmm. because this is what i'm doing for a living this yeah. there, there was never a question of how am i going to what am i going to do for my the rest of my life this was it the only question was how do i achieve that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that has been my driving force and still is my driving force to this day because the last thing i ever want to do is to give my give my parents the that feeling of like see we told you so and, I'm, yeah. and I yeah. had this conversation with my parents over the last 10, 15 years um, yeah. that they're kind of like, yeah, I think you're good at this point. But but the first five to seven years, that was it, because yeah. I was not going to let anything deny me of that. Yeah. You know, and then the other part of it is, you know, Bryce, Bryce, my friend Bryce died in 95 and I realized how fragile life can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this it set my world upside down to this day. It's still it's still scarring. Um, and I think that's another part of it. So I've been motivated to my my dream for Boston Body Worker was as um, and Bryce and I talked about this back in the 90s, that we were going to start a clinic together and build a, a business together in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. I'm back here in Boston. But it's always been my dream to continue that promise that we had to each other. Yeah. So there's, there are multiple factors that I think motivate us and keep us moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think you just need to figure out what those are and you know use them as your strength not as weaknesses
0: yeah so you know you developed a, a very highly successful clinic there with a couple of different locations in boston and that was a you know i've watched that growth process over the years and just continued to be impressed by what you had done there i mean having the location that you had right in downtown boston at cop copley square right is where it was mm-hmm. uh, yeah um, the original
1: you know, was in downtown Crossing, then I moved in 2001 to Copley Square, yeah, the finish yes, line of the marathon. Right.
0: So that was just a, you know, a, a, I think it was a great um, marker for massage, too, to see that kind of clinic done in that location there with that degree yeah. of visibility, I think was just tremendously impressive. Um, and I, I do remember, too, you've had some... Some serious challenges there in that location, uh, in particular, for example, with the the marathon bombing. I mean, tell um, mm-hmm. you had to close your office for a while, right, right downtown.
1: Yeah, so, so those that know Boston Bodywork here. We're, we we're known around town as twenty six point three because we're mm-hmm. a tenth of a mile past the finish line of the Boston Marathon, and you know the marathon season. The marathon season here is is kind of like well, I was going to say it's like a championship parade here too, but it's anyway. Well, we won't be seeing any of those for a while. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rite of passage here. We skip school. We, we, we do different things. Kids growing up, kids come into the city to watch the marathon. It's just a great event. Um, but we've been involved with the marathon since I came back up here in 1999, 2000. And when the bombing hit, we were actually not inside of our space because on Marathon Monday, you can't, you can't, you can't access our space as a guest mm-hmm. because the streets are all blocked off. So we're not going to take clients that day. And if runners wanted to come in, they would have to walk basically uh, three quarters of a mile just to get back around to our doors. Mm -hmm. So we set up shop at a hotel, which was just across the street from us. Um, And we would we do um, we did massages for different charity teams. I forget, maybe it was Boston Children's Hospital that year or something. Um, So, yeah, we weren't in the space at the time. But when that bomb went off, that shut us down immediately for 10, 12 days. And then from there, you know, we had lost quite a few of our own, um, our own members. Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: We had lost a few members and you know, it, it hit pretty close to home. We oh yeah. Pretty Close to home. And it was scary. Yeah. So we had, we had, you know, as a, as an owner, as a, as a boss, you know, you, you, you quickly recognize that this business is so much more than your vision, your dream.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there are people's lives involved here and a lot of my therapists and everybody. So my, my initial thought, and again, this wasn't through training or time, it's just, what can I do for them? How can I help them? Yeah. Because that's the first thing you want to do. I think human nature is, and the first thing when a crisis happens, if it doesn't directly impact you in the moment, how can I help? Mm-hmm. How can I help? And that's what I really wanted to do at the time. And it just took us some time to reopen. We, so like I said, we were closed for two weeks, but it probably took us, I would say, close to a year and a half before we got back up, to, we were probably doing before the marathon about 250 massages a week. Mm-hmm. And it took us close to a year and a half to get back to around that.
0: Now that um, must have been, yeah. I can only assume as as the business, business owner responsible for all of those practitioners and, and responsible to your clientele and everybody there. That must have just been tremendously scary when you were notified you can't open for a mm. couple of weeks and you know, you're know you gonna have to be closed. like all of a sudden, just with no warning whatsoever. I mean, how, how did you, how did you deal with that?
1: Yeah. I, I, my, my first reaction was how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah, (laughs) You know, because uh, whether it's, you know, what's the first rule they say about opening up a business is location, location, location. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, back then they did now the internet, you can sit in your own house and do it, I guess. But so my location was prime real estate. Mm -hmm. And when you tell, a business, any business, massage or a restaurant or any anything in that sort of uh, location that they have to close for a week, 10 days, that's a lot of revenue lost and yeah. it was scary. And it, it, it crippled us, it crippled mm-hmm. us. And I just, I think ultimately what it came down to was I was determined to make this work out of spite. You
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: it was one of those things, my girls at the time, I have two daughters and they were, let's see, 2013, So they were five and eight at the time. And I didn't want them to see a spiral out into nothing. And I had, I wanted them to see that, you know, from, from, from evil can come some good, but Mm -hmm. you just have to work for it. And we slowly just started building it up and, you know, God bless my wife. She has a steady job that she was able to support financially. Some of the decisions we had to make with the business and, you know, trust that I would be successful enough to pay us back because we borrowed from her 401k, which is not a smart thing to do. Don't ever Mm -hmm. do that, please. But I did pay it back and we did and we did all the right things, but it was a huge risk. But I am so stubborn. She knew that there was no way that I was going to start, you know, go back to bartending or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where you just have to decide, you know, how bad do you want it? Yeah. And what are you willing to do to stay after it? Because, Mm if it's something you're truly passionate about, like I am about massage, um, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah, And that thought is probably more scary than not succeeding. <laughs>
0: yeah, so for you really, a lot of this comes out of, you didn't really even, sounds like entertain much the idea that this wasn't gonna be a workable solution. You just said like, I've got to find the way to make this workable solution. And I, that's kind of what I hear from a lot of people who, work with these kinds of struggles and say like it's kind of like that um i think there was a scene in the apollo 13 movie where they were you know trying to figure out what and He just said you know failure is not an option you know that's not kind of what it, you yeah. have to adopt that sort of mindset of like i just have to find a way to make this work
1: yeah. see and i think what i heard a lot back then was especially from people in the massage community was like well is your landlord going to give you a break um what are you going to do and 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 i have always I've always had a, a good head on my shoulders and understanding that ignorance of the law is not a defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you sign a contract with somebody like a lease or even a personal contract, you need to be accountable for that. You yeah. Know? And so I, I did, I reached out to my landlord. I spoke to my landlord, but I wasn't asking my landlord for forgiveness or anything. I just was asking what can you do to help me and how can I help you so we can do this? Cause I, I, I'm not trying to bail, I, but I didn't want to file bankruptcy, and I didn't want to go through all those channels. Yeah. And they basically, we, ne- we negotiated at that time, we negotiated to just not, I didn't pay rent for the first three months following the marathon, but agreed over the next nine months to amortize those three months out. Uh-huh. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, they were very nice to allow me to do that. You know, mm-hmm. some people will say, I can't believe they still charge you. And I just, and today, COVID is the same thing. I, they They're running a business just as I'm running a business. Yeah, Just because they have an extra comma in their in their revenue line doesn't mean that
0: yeah, that's right. they're any
1: they're any better yeah. off than I am. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, their income numbers may be higher, but so are their debt numbers. of Of what what's, the what's expenses the are. Is, yeah.
1: People who make more, over seventy thousand dollars a year, there's no comparative analysis of terms of happiness or success after yeah. seventy thousand. It's all relative to yeah everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So. so how is that? That's also now posed challenges too for you um as with so many people who i have talked to and listened to and watched grapple with this you know we we talked about 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 business and you talked about the things that they tell you and when you learn about business and one of the things that i always remember reading and hearing about is you know make an emergency contingency plan for the things that might disrupt your business of you know Mm -hmm. major you know a fire or disaster or whatever kinds of things and i will have to admit that Global pandemic never came on the radar screen for me at all, and I think for so many people, just not prepared for how this was going to impact us.
1: Yeah, so I, I think when so I moved into Copley in two thousand one to start Boston worker at that location. Um, a month later, nine eleven hit. Mm-hmm. So yes, nine yeah. eleven hit. So from there everything got shut down in Boston for just like a day or two, because there was suspicion of terrorists staying at the hotel nearby. Yeah. And at the time that's when I started learning about terrorist insurance, basically that they started to offer for your business. Uh Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I want some of that. Uh Okay. So when the marathon bombing hit, I was insured. I was definitely, I had insurance and I prepared for that. And I think that's something I would tell people all the time is that don't think that you'll never need it. Yeah. Because when you need it, you're going to kick yourself for not having it. Yeah. So it's one of those, one of those expenses that you, I always factor in is my insurance expenses into things. It's just, it's, first of all, I mean, obviously you don't have to have terrorism insurance necessarily, but you have to have your workers comp insurance. You have to have all the other stuff. If you yeah. don't have those and you think it'll be fine, it won't be. Yeah. At some point it will bite you. So, so preparedness is, was a big thing for me there. Um, yeah, it's just it, it was a situation where now where I, I, I obviously shutting down for 10 days is different than shutting down for 10 months is where we're at right now. Yes, no kidding. You yeah. Know? So the conversation I had back in 2013 with my landlord, and I'll say this. First of all, the landlord, their main office was in our building. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there are. It just happened to be that they own multiple buildings around Boston, but they just happened yeah. to be in my building. Yeah. So they were. So in other words, they knew who we were personally. That mm-hmm. helped. Um, many of the people who worked in that office came to our clinic for body work. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the company, his daughter, um, his granddaughter was injured in the marathon. So Uh there was there was a camaraderie there. There was an understanding there. It was not just a matter of everybody save yourself. Yeah, the community came together. So they were great at the time, like I said. But fast forward now, but seven years later, when this happens, my again, this I shut down March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Um, you know, my rent there, uh, you know, full disclosure was thirteen grand a month to Mm -hmm. pay rent in the space that sits empty and yeah. everyone, everyone's like well is your landlord going to make you pay rent and i said "Well, <laughs> what because his mortgage is being relieved no it's not happening like everyone's got yeah. bills yeah. so i called my landlord and he, and we talked it out and he he basically i said why don't i pay i'm going to pay i would like to pay half rent until this ends and then we'll do the same thing again i'll amortize the other half over the period of my lease um and they were fine with that not a problem because obviously you can't get blood from a stone so if i started yeah on bankruptcy they knew they weren't going to get anything from me so yep. i figured let's just try to s- see where this goes and hang on as long as we can and i think if anything is taught if i've learned anything over the years it's that when a crisis occurs the ability to take a few punches and just to kind of size up your opponent goes a long way in helping you succeed in the in the long long term
0: mm-hmm. because
1: if yep. you immediately and i saw it a lot you know, 10 months ago, when all this start, stuff started to go down, I've seen it over the last 10 months, people have been reacting, reacting, reacting to every little thing ever, whether it's a new guideline that gets sent out, or it's yeah. anything else, they just react. And you're constantly going to try to run a business that is reactive. And that's no way to live a life. Not that I'm saying that I've been perfect, with that I that's what I used to do. But I've gotten better at it as, I, as I've faced more and more adversity that I've realized, if kicking and screaming would help, I will kick and scream louder than anybody but typically it never helps
0: (laughs) yeah right
1: so i just i you know when this happened everyone says what are you going to do i said first of all massage is not the priority on anyone's mind right now so what i want to do or what i will do is of no consequence you know i said we're just gonna have to wait and see how this all unfolds um you know so that was march of 2020 april may june july august I'm still not open, shelling out all this money. I I knew that I had money saved over the last couple of years that I could handle this. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that there was a there was a there was a line in the sand that I said it's either bankruptcy yeah. or no what. So I called my landlord again and I said, We're not going to be able to reopen safely. There was too many obstacles or hurdles in the way to reopen safely in that space. The yeah. Community building, the HV, HVAC system wasn't right. Space. I mean, the rent alone, whatever it was. So, and I wasn't expecting them to give me a break in the rent. And even if they did give me a break in the rent, sixty-five hundred bucks a month, I couldn't afford, it, let alone yeah. thirteen. So, I, I said to them, "What can we do?" Because I I had just re-upped. Um, I had a ten-year lease there, and I just re-upped for another five the previous year. Hmm. So I still had you know three years remaining on my lease.
0: Yeah.
1: That like I said, I'm accountable for that. That's 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 my problem, not theirs. Mm-hmm. Um. So and I, you know, a security deposits there and all that stuff. And they, I know they can go after all that stuff. I wanted to figure it out. And we basically they they were nice enough to negotiate down my lease if I made one payment to get out the remainder of the lease. Mm-hmm. So they let me out. It stings. But my thought was, if I can borrow this money and I have my seaport location where I'm at now, much smaller, much lower overhead, um, there's a chance I could do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was my thinking at the time. But moreover, my thinking was no matter what happens with Boston Worker or, or massage therapy or whatever it is, I know I'm going to be okay. I yeah. know that I can, I, I, I've always been a survivor in that regard that, you know, if I have to go back to flipping burgers and waiting tables, I'll be okay. I really, really will be. I was really more concerned about my employees and I really didn't want to see such, I mean, my, I'll brag about my staff to the end of the days but this particular staff at the time that this all happened was probably my best staff that I've ever had. And we were primed and ready to do some really great things. And I didn't want to not only lose them for Boston body worker. I didn't want to lose them for the profession because every single one of them works hard at being a great massage therapist. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that you, once you have somebody like that working with you, that's gold. It mm-hmm. is, and it is It that? is
0: unfortunate that it is not as frequent, um, I think, as we certainly need it to be. It seems like there's been a lot more challenges finding those really dedicated, quality individuals that are out there nowadays. So, yeah, that's a loss. That's a hard yeah. one.
1: So, you know, so when this all went down, I, I had, you know, I've been having Zoom calls with my my staff, not as frequently as I did at the beginning, but we would sit down and I, I, I understood that anything that I say, anything that I do, any actions that I take are going to be reflective upon them. And I want to make sure that if they see me freaking out, they're going to freak out. So mm-hmm. my immediate yeah. reaction was don't worry about it. You know, I'm still going to cover your insurance right now, your AFLAX. And um, I, I think I, I sent them out some of your videos and I, I connect them. If you guys want to take Whitney's courses, we'll connect you with Whitney's courses. I, I, whatever you guys can do to stay fresh and stay hungry, we'll get through this as a team and we'll see what happens. Now, here we are 10 months later. Um, back open here I have staff in here now and it's just I'm very fortunate to have my top staff coming back in right now mm-hmm. to start representing what Boston Bodyworker can do for this part of the city because yeah. it's we have to we are re- reinventing ourselves over this part the seaport is a brand new area in Boston even though Boston's a, a pimple of the city compared to New York if you go from, from Copley to the seaport it's probably a a mile and a half. Okay. But people will not come here from there yeah just won't. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those, we have to kind of reestablish ourselves here and start all over again. But I felt we could do it with a few different stipulations. Prim- primarily, I negotiated free parking for, for my people here, for everybody here, employees mm-hmm. and for my guests. Um, and the building itself, beyond being a very green building, they, in, they just, um, they put into HVAC, HVAC UV lighting for mm-hmm. the HVAC system. So I felt that even the air coming through this, the building in a close contact kind of room of more than 20 minutes was going to be safer, not yeah. completely safe obviously, but safer than it could possibly be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Filtrations. Yeah. So I felt there are ways that we could deliver a service that the employees felt comfortable working in guests felt com- comfortable coming to the space in, um, and it, we're inside of a gym inside of this hotel. It's a pretty big gym, but the gym is not reopening. Mm. So we have basically thirty-five thousand square feet of space and three treatment rooms. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it, so there's plenty of spacing in here, you know. Yeah. Um. That, and that that helps. That helps. You yeah. know, You walk around the rest of the hotel. I feel like I'm in The Shining because there's mm-hmm. nobody. The hotel has been closed <laughs> right. now for a long time. You know.
0: Wow. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. But it's. I don't know. It just i the way i see it you know and i it's be, and not because i'm in the seaport but it's just it's a fact we're afloat <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah. i'm not drowning um and when i'm not sailing away <laughs> yeah. we're just afloat and we're just kind of treading water here and i mm-hmm. think if we can ride this out there's tremendous opportunity moving forward not only for my business but for massage businesses in general but yeah that's easier said than done you know a lot of other yeah. therapists in my position you know, a lot of them are sole proprietors, you know, they were living paycheck to paycheck and it's just not as simple as that. So I'm not trying to say everybody can do it. Um, yeah, it's just, I just, I'm, i consider myself fortunate. I, and again, my wife still has a job. Um, my kids are now 13 and, um, 16. So I don't have, they don't depend upon me for every little thing like they did back in the marathon times. Mm-hmm. So if this, I mean, my wife and I joke about it. If this happened in 2010, just 10 years earlier, The kids would have been much younger eight and five or so right and 2010 to back up we talk about adversity 2010 was a time or 2009 was really the time where I decided I can't have contractors anymore I have to have employees if I don't have employees there's no way I can build this brand to get bigger nobody will do what I'm asking them to do if they think they're just contractors so when I did that in 2010 I had some great staff we're looking forward to it and they Decided they didn't want to be employees; they want to be contractors, and they all left. Mm-hmm. Literally, like five of them—five of my seven therapists—walked out at the same time. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was like, "What do I do now?" And the reality was, you know, gotta just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. So I had to rehire and bring it all back. And the problem with that was that as I brought in new employees, these same contractors that left because they didn't want to become employees opened mm-hmm. up a shop next door to me and stole my client list and then uh-huh. sued me for being misclassified as a contractor instead of as an employee.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> so I had three different lawsuits, four different lawsuits that were going on over the next three years yeah. to deal with all that. Yeah. So more, so I'm shelling out money as I'm already down money. Yeah. So when you take that and then you, I get through all that over the three years and we get through it and we say, okay, we made it, I survived. Mm-hmm. And then the marathon bombing, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> right? What do they say? What yeah. doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you're getting pretty strong. You're getting strong, it's, indeed. It's, yeah. It's one of those things
1: you just gotta go with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, my sort yeah, of yeah. wish and dream is: is there? I mean, I've watched like I've I've known all of these stories because you know you and I have talked about them throughout yeah, throughout yeah. time, and I have marvelled at your ability to weather each one of these storms and to come out still moving forward with this. And I just, uh, I want to know and, and wish if you have any ideas of like, um, how, how this becomes trainable to treat, to train that mindset with people and that devotion to an end goal, to be able to make those things work uh, and push through no matter what the adversity that you encounter. I mean, any yeah. ideas that you have uh-huh. about how to, how to make that more prevalent in our world.
1: Um, there's probably some famous quote, you know, fail twice, get up three times. I I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't buy into all the quotes necessarily, but it's, you know, but it's, it's one of the, I've always lived off the the saying since I was a kid, that's, you know, anything worth having is worth working for. And I knew what I wanted. And you, 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 you pair that with stubbornness or determination, Mm -hmm. depends how you want to look at it. Um, it's almost impossible to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are obstacles that will always get in your way, but if there's something you really want and you really think that you deserve it, you're good at it, you 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 will make a difference if you achieve it, then you'll find a way to do it. And that might mean like nowadays, maybe driving for Uber when you're not doing massages, you yeah. know, whatever it might be that you need to make that money, there's always a revenue stream for you. The question is, are you willing to make those kind of sacrifices, mm-hmm. you know? And I've always been willing to do the free massages. I've always been willing to set up the chair in places where I'm not going to make any money. I'm just going to be handing out cards because that sort of exposure and that sort of discipline over time is cumulative. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can necessarily teach that though. And you know, my my parents probably had something to do with that. Um, Yeah. Part of the country I grew up in had something to do with that. Like I said, DNA might have something. I don't know if it's teachable, I think ultimately the question somebody needs to ask themselves in any career is, is this your passion? Because if it's your passion, there's no way anything's gonna get in your way because doing anything else in life would feel like a void.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: That's always been inside.
0: Yeah, I, I really think it's so beneficial when people can tap into that because there are a lot of obstacles that we do encounter in this field that are not typical in many other things there's you know f- there's physical demands there's the the professional self-esteem issues there's all kinds of things that that are more challenging for us than there might be in certain other types of situations and i see so many people just kind of give up by the wayside to say like yeah i don't want to i don't want to have to deal with this kind of thing and it's like well the probably that that driving passion for this is not there but then there are those other people that you see I watch so many people like watching their stories on social media or, or discussing them with uh, discussing this with those people who've had such tremendous adversity um, and had situations like yours where they said, I, I can't, you know, I've got a clinic, I can't keep it open right now, but I'm not stopping either. I'm going to find a way to work through this temporary period and then come out stronger on the other side. And that's just so inspiring to see people dedicated to those uh to this field in that way because i think god the world needs it the world really does need the things that we do
1: yeah and, and knowing what you want to do is only half the battle you still have to do it yeah <laughs> that's 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 the hard part of work i guess right yeah so you can have the mindset i think to say this is what i want this is what i'm going to do and this is what's going to happen when i do it yeah great fantastic now you have to execute
0: <laughs> exactly and yeah there's a i think i was saying so that um you can do whatever you want to, but you may have to work for it, you know, right. and that's that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah,
1: And it's so true right. that you have, to, it's just, if you don't, if you don't, it, and it, if you, if you think you understand how hard the work is going to be, then you're in trouble. You are really in trouble because I think a lot of people would be like, no, I get it. I get it. I know I need, I need to do the work. I said, if you knew what you're about to have to do to accomplish what you want to accomplish, you'd probably say, screw it. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. But, if you really want to do it, don't think about what you think you're going to be doing, because you' probably only do a third of that, yeah, because other obstacles will get in your way that you don't even know about or consider until it that right. happen and you're yeah. thinking of it, and then you're gonna think, well, I already started it. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> <Not> now <laughs> so you so you just really need to just trust that if it's what your passion is. Come hella high water, you're going to make it there. You just don't know what's going to happen along that journey.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Prepare what you can, but.
0: Yeah. And that is part of what makes the journey so interesting, I think, for for all of us too, sometimes. What's, um, what's the old yeah.
1: that's saying? Life is a cruel teacher. She gives you the test first and the lessons come later. Yeah. Well, I like that. That's, yeah. that's the truth, yeah. you know? Right. And I've, I've had enough. Like, here's a, a good example, sidebar story. Um, March 2020 is when we went, hit COVID. So March 13th, we shut down our office, right? My wife's birthday, my wife's 21st birthday was on March 2nd. Okay, she's a mm-hmm. young at heart. Uh-huh. And I decided I wanted to take her to celebrate her very special 21st birthday, take her away for a long weekend. So we went to Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, it wasn't her 21st. Right. Um, so we took her to Bermuda. Um, the week before we went off to Bermuda, I had to have um, my third surgery for my elbow. Okay, you recall that I broke my hand. I broke my hand back in 2015. Had multiple failed surgeries, so now I haven't been working in the massage room since 2015. Mm -hmm. So that's like taking a fish out of water. I was on, I was on what I I think was empathy fatigue and empathy withdrawals. Like I wanted to be in that room so badly, but I couldn't. The pain in my elbow from everything that was going on was so bad. But finally, we figured out what happened with my elbow, and I had the surgery the week before we went away. And I was, and I, I left surgery the next day. I had not, I didn't feel anything. It was the first time I hadn't felt anything in my elbow in three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited that I'm going to get back in the treatment room again. I'm gonna start working on people again. And then we went on vacation and I was motivated to come back from vacation and do this. And then COVID hits. Yeah. And I haven't done a massage until just before this call started. I worked on salon for about 35 minutes.
0: Uh-huh. It,
1: it was awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, and it's just it's one of those things. Like again, it's my passion, but I yeah. I've been able to teach it. I've been able to work with students. I've been able to do that stuff over the last three years. But I have not been able to be in a room and help somebody else to feel better. Yeah, and to me that was that was hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think. There's some also some value in that of, of periodically when we do have that opportunity to step out of those things for a little while, it, it does remind us of why we do the things that we do and why we go through the challenges that we go through, because there is such tremendous reward in being able to be there for people and helping them in the way that we do uh, with what we do in the treatment room. Both for
1: them and for you too. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, w- there's no better feeling than serving others, right? I mean, that's, you know, yeah. service is what we what we're born to do. So when we yeah. get to do that for a living, Oh, like, yeah, it's, it's, and I, and I know for a fact because my wife doesn't mince words. I've been quite the asshole to be around when I was going through this elbow stuff, because I wasn't able to have that outlet and -hmm. understand, you know, other people's issues. Everything was my issue, my issue, my issue. Yeah. And you don't, you don't get what I'm going through with running this business and the elbow pain that I have and everything else. But now that I'm like, got a, a even more perspective <laughs> on things, I can really appreciate the journey that I've taken just to get to here. So that's why yeah. I'm at this point when this, when this stuff happened with COVID and as I've gone finished with the, you know, shut down Boston body worker copy location after 21 years in October, uh, at, you know, everyone was like very, very nice on social media. They were very, you know, um, inspiring and helpful and, and supportive, but you know, that was my first baby. Yeah. And, And I said, I said to my kids, we sat down I said, listen, here's the deal. I said, you know, we have to shut down Boston body worker at Copley. I said, but we're not going out of business. Hmm. I said, I said, I don't know if my business is going to survive this. I said, but right now, all we can do is focus on moving forward. I said, doesn't mean we shouldn't reflect on what was. I said, we don't have time to do that right now. I said, So come, you know, spring of 2021, if the business isn't working, we will give Copley the, the, the honor and, Reflection it deserves, but right now I can't focus on that. I need to focus on the future of Boston Bodyworker, and that has been kind of my mindset moving forward. It's not that I ignore how hard it's been. I mean, I have a storage locker down down from my house that I pay 500 bucks a month for just to store 21 years of stuff. And yeah. I got like eight massage tables in there. I got couches and chairs, and like that's what Boston Bodyworker has come down to is just that room. And yeah. to see that. As I do, it's 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 gut wrenching, but yeah. I also know there's greater things to come, and this is just yeah. this is just a blip in the big radar of things, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, um, thank you very much for for delving into these things with us because um, I do think your story is very inspiring, and it really does help a lot of people. It always helps to, to know that there are other people grappling with with similar types of, of adversity and challenges. But the big thing that I really hope everyone can take away is just understanding and seeing that that passion that you have for doing something that means so much to you and finding just finding a way to say, hey, we're going to make this work. We're going to find a way to make it work. So. Um, you do continue to be an inspiration to a lot of practitioners out there, and and I look forward to seeing more great things coming out of of your uh, endeavors in in the years to come. Here, I hope so. Yeah. I hope
1: so. Yeah. I, from your mouth to God's ears, as my mom used to say. It's just right. You know, it's one of those things that uh, I don't. I, I and I'll let me say this though. I, you know, I, I I know people like you very well that have been doing this for longer than I have, and faced your own adversities. Um, and I, you know, I travel on the road with the taping stuff. I see other people at conferences like Eric and James and, and, you know, whether it's Don Nelson or anybody that's out there that's, that's been doing it longer than I have. And my stories might be my stories, but they're certainly not unique. You Mm -hmm. know, we've all faced adversity in our own ways, in our own lives. And that's my, that's, that's when I know that I can do this because it's been done. And those, Mm -hmm. if you surround yourself with those sort of people that have that mindset that this is my passion, this is what we want to do. So let's just figure out a better way to do it. If we have to do it differently, let's do it. But you don't stop moving forward just because you hit her. What's what's the other thing? The obstacle is the way that's the Stoics approach to it. And that is the only way out is through. You've got to go through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wise words indeed there. So, so drew, how can people find out more about you in Boston body worker?
1: I hope your listeners will reach out to me. I'm happy to provide them with any assistance I can to make this next chapter of their career a successful one. So go to learn2tape.com. that's learn with the number two, tape.com or bostonbodyworker.com to learn more about me. Or just you can email me at Drew at LearnTape.com or Drew at BostonBodyworker.com.
0: Well, thank you all for joining us today on the Thinking Practitioner podcast. And we would like to also thank ABMP, who is a proud sponsor of the Thinking Practitioner. All massage therapists and bodyworkers can access free ABMP resources and information on the coronavirus and massage profession at abmp.com forward slash COVID-19. Uh, that includes sample release forms, PPE guides, and a special issue of Massage and Bodywork magazine, where Till and I are frequent contributors. For more, check out the ABMP podcast available at abmp.com forward slash podcasts or wherever you prefer to listen. Till will be back with me uh, in the next episode. We've been doing some uh, solo episodes here. We were on different um, sort of breaks and hiatuses for things that we were trying to take care of outside of work. He and I will be back uh, together next go round. And we would like to, again, thank our sponsors for the show. And if you want to uh, get some additional information, please feel free to stop by our sites for show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on my site at theacademyofclinicalmassage.com and over on Till's site at advanced-trainings.com. So any questions or things you'd like to hear us talk about, please do email us at the info, excuse me, at info at or look for us on social media as well. And as always, please do follow us on Spotify, rate us on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts and do tell a friend. Thanks again, Drew, so much for being with me today. And uh, thank you all for uh, listening. And we will see you again in a couple weeks.